Welcome to Shatter Glass. Stories of extraordinary women shattering the glass ceiling. I'm Marita Garrett. And I'm Monica Hirschberger. This is Get Political, our mini-series about how to run for office or plug your skills in to help someone else run for office. Today we're talking about everyone's biggest fear, fundraising. I have a special relationship with fundraising because I used to work at several different nonprofits doing development, but doing development for a nonprofit and raising money for a certain cause is a lot different than a political campaign. Like just like the energy behind it is totally different. And even the way that you do it is different. It's so, so, so important, I think, for grassroots campaigns to really embrace the grassroots for fundraising. Because, you know, for a nonprofit, sometimes it's easier to just call one person and get $10,000. Whereas if you're a political campaign and you're calling 100 people to get $10 from each of, or $100 from each of those people, you know, that that just says so much more about your campaign. And it says, here are the people that I'm representing. Here are the people that I can get to vote for me. It really just has a lot more weight to get you into office. And we'll cover a lot more about that with our interviews coming up. But first, since I have a primary source right here with Marita, Marita, when you were fundraising to become mayor, or even before that, a council person, what was your process? So actually, one of the best pieces of advice that I received and that our guest even mentioned is to have a spreadsheet of everyone that I've ever met. That had to be long. It is very long. I've yeah. separated into years. Yeah. But <laughs> but the great thing is that, you know, even if you at least get like 40% of that list to donate, then you've hit a great fundraising target. Right. And it's also a great way to keep in contact with people who you've met because then they're like, oh, you're running for mayor. Oh, right. I see the great things and you've you're done. And you're talking about like $10, exactly. not necessarily $100. Right, even. which is also encouraged. But right. yes, of but course, no, right. of course. <laughs> You want to break out the three digits, please, everyone, <laughs> four digits. But um, but yes, but every little bit helps. And people just like to see that. Like I credit President Barack Obama's campaign where it started with like texting. And, you know, people could feel a part of that giving like 10, 15, 20 dollars. Because especially in local races is that that's where the money makes the most impact. But even more so to start fundraising among your family and friends. Those are going to be your trusted circle. Those are going to be the ones who truly believe in you are going to invest in you before the community and your constituents will. And the great thing about online tools is that you have social media, which is amazing. Again, if used correctly, right. um, it's super amazing. So you can, you know, share your link, share your message that way. Additionally, PayPal, ActBlue, there's so many great online platforms that makes it even easier to fundraise. Also, every single campaign event that you hold, whether it's a meet and greet or a petition, Pizza Party is an opportunity to raise money. Mm, yes. And we talked with three women working in fundraising, focusing specifically on grassroots fundraising tools and tactics. I had the pleasure of talking with Jasmine Sessoms, Deputy Director of the Mayor's Fund for the City of Philadelphia and founder and CEO of She Can Win. Jasmine is goals to me and I need her to be my life coach. Let's get right into her interview. Jasmine, thank you so much for participating. It is my pleasure. I am so excited to be on the podcast. So could you please tell us about your role as Deputy Director of the Mayor's Fund for the City of Philadelphia? 
So um, I was appointed to the executive director of the mayor's plan by Mayor Nutter, and essentially it's to control the operations and advocate on behalf of city agencies' charitable interests. So things that you don't want to experiment with and use taxpayer dollars with, that's what the mayor's plan steps in and comes in and kind of raises money to do these projects that can really move the city forward. And we leverage public and private partnerships to move those kind of non-taxpayer projects forward. Um, we also give out grants to local nonprofits that maybe can't go to the larger foundations like William Penn or Knight or the Pew Charitable Trust. They can always come to the Mayor's Fund. In addition to that role, you also are the founder and CEO of She Can Win, which you described as a movement that is dedicated to providing training and resources for women who are interested in running for political office. Obviously, that's something near and dear to my heart. Could you talk more about what led you to start that organization? So She Can Win is truly a passion project. It was about four, it's going on five years now. I moved back to Philadelphia and I looked at our local government, just in our state house, but also um, in our city council, and I didn't see a lot of women that looked like me. And that was alarming. So I started asking questions. I went to, uh, well, at the time she was my state rep, and now she's my council lady. And I wanted to know, why aren't, like, women running for office? Why are you one of three in our state house? And she was like, Kevin, <laughs> nobody wants to do this. It is hard, and it's especially hard if you're a woman of color. I was like, really? Well, tell me more about it. Because I, went, I, I was a fundraiser by trade. Um, I did corporate and I did nonprofits. I was kind of like, well, tell me what's so hard. She was like, number one, nobody gives women of color money. We routinely get less money than our counterparts. I was like, okay, well, tell me more. She was like, and then there's this old, this unspoken boys club. She was like, oh, it's just hard. So I thought to myself, well, like, I wonder if we created our girls club and we could raise the money and kind of teach them how to run for office, would more women run for office? It started as like 12 women that came that were getting ready to run for judges and state reps and things like that. And I just taught them A to Z and I brought in people that I knew that were in politics to come and talk to them. I brought in all these people that came and talked to these 12 ladies and three of them ran, two of them won. When the next campaign cycle came back, they came and were like, okay, we have like five more women that want to come to your class. I was like, oh, they weren't they weren't classes. I was just helping you guys because I thought you guys were, were dope. And I was like, no, no, no. You need to make these into classes. So I created a nine-series course, and I think the next round we had 26 women that came out of 26. Wow. Five of them ran. Four of them won. And then that's when I knew I was on to something. Now, I think we're up to like 500-some women that we've trained. We train a Ooh, lot of women. Oh we train constantly. And then the most exciting part now is we have a pack, mm -hmm. and our pack's mission really is to elect black women to office. It's super simple. It's not mm -hmm. elect you know, black Democratic women. It's not elect Republican women. It's elect black women to office. It's a nonpartisan pack, which is very unusual. Mm -hmm. But we really are putting our money where our mouth is. Not only do we want to train you, but we want to invest in your race. I read that over the past 11 years, you have raised over $5.2 million for numerous candidates, charities, and causes. So how did you even end up in the field of fundraising? I literally fell into it. I graduated from Morgan State, and I graduated as a hospitality management major. I got a, a job in a hotel because I always thought I wanted to run a hotel, and I was a wedding planner, and which I was the youngest catering manager on our East Coast for Marriott. You get the worst schedule. I used to do 16 days on, two days off. I did that schedule for three years straight, and I, I became an expert at weddings and events and bar and bar mitzvahs. Any sort of event that you could have, I could plan it. 
I, I, I burned out. I was looking for another job, and I was like, I have, like, people even hire event planners other than hotels. I didn't really have a good grasp of what else was out there with a hospitality management degree. And there was an opening for a fund development officer at a local nonprofit that I came from. It's called um, Philadelphia Youth Network. And I used to be a work-ready kid, so I was like, oh, I can do that. Fundraising? If you're asking people for money, I could totally do that. And I went for the interview, and they gave me the job. And um, I'll never forget, our CEO at the time, who was still here and dear to my heart, was like, you really don't care if people tell you no, huh? I was like, no, <laughs> don't care. And after that, um, I stayed there. And how I got into political fundraising, one of my very best friends, who's the state rep, who I want to give him a shout-out. He is now the Democratic whip, Jordan Harris. And he came, and he said, yes, I'm running for office. I need you to, to come with me. I remember being like, I don't do that part. I do nonprofit fundraising. He was like, yeah, I don't care what you do. You're coming with me. We raised, like, zero money that campaign, but he was a, he's an amazing candidate. But after that, I mm-hmm. fell in love with how politics works and, and seeing someone making the calls and door-knocking, and I knew that is what I wanted to do. I knew I had to be a part of politics, and political fundraising became a passion of mine. People have a lot of fear when it comes to fundraising. So how did you overcome that fear? How did you get to the point where you had six, or you have fixed in and you don't care if they say no? How do you get to that point? You know, I'm a South Philly girl. I come from really humble beginnings. I don't take anything personally. It is mm-hmm. just my personality. I understand that when someone says no, they're not saying no because they don't like me. They're not saying no because my shoes are ugly. They're saying no because <laughs> a bevy of other reasons that are going on. And when you keep that in the forefront that this is not personal, it really is a business, even though sometimes, as I've learned throughout the years, politics does become very personal. They're not <laughs> telling you no. They're telling mm-hmm. maybe who you're representing. They're telling you maybe the timing is off. It is not about you. Keep that in the forefront. It, it changes your whole perspective. What advice do you have for how to get started on fundraising and also strategies on who to ask for funds initially? I was sitting with a woman. She's running for city council in Delco yesterday. And she asked me the same exact question. You have to start with your friends and family. I get mm-hmm. it. People want to go for the big dollars right away. You have to start with your friends and family. They are the people that love you. We call it love money. They love you. They're going to invest in you because you are you. It is great practice to do call time. And call time is when you're just smiling and dialing for dollars, getting the money in. It is a great practice on your friends and family who love you. I always say do not do call time alone. No matter how good you are, how great you think you are on these phones, you cannot do call time alone because you will forget who has made a pledge to you. You need someone that is going to sit there, take the notes, remind you to follow up, give you some background information. If you are running for office, focus on being a candidate. You have to put people that are skilled around you. It's fine to have volunteers and it's fine to have your mom or or your dad come and sit with you as well, but you want to have someone that can guide you through the process. I don't think that, you know, certain campaigns need to be fully staffed with million-dollar consultants, but you should hire some professionals that can guide you through the process because the political process is tricky. Mm -hmm. And my, my last piece of advice is you cannot be afraid to ask. You can't say, oh, I don't know this person. I really don't want to ask, but I know they give out money, but they might not give money to me. Get it out of your head. You have to take the shot. If you're brave enough to put yourself out there and be a public servant, you have to be brave enough to ask. And also, everyone, get out of your own head. I get have to tell myself that daily. I feel so big. Jasmine, I want to thank you again so much uh, for your time and for the work that you do. Thank you so much, Mayor. I really, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. 
Our next guest is Simone Baer. She's worked in all kinds of campaigns and decided in 2010 to start her own fundraising consulting business. She has some really great advice for anyone who gets involved in fundraising for a campaign. Here she is. So Simone Baer, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. When you're fundraising for a campaign, what is the money for? I mean, obviously, there's, like, marketing, and I think a lot of people imagine it's kind of like money just going straight to attack ads, but I know that there's far more than that. So can you kind of outline what people are fundraising for? It really depends on the level of race that you're raising money for, but across the board, you can say that initially what early money goes for is staff and infrastructure, hiring talented operatives, staff and consultants, and a lot of times, especially when you get to the more high-profile races, those those folks do not come cheap, and it's pretty competitive um, to try to land sort of the best campaign managers, best finance directors, best comms teams, best consultants, media firms. But initial fundraising is about two things. It's about building infrastructure, hiring staff, and it's about being able to put up a large enough number early to try to deter other candidates from entering the race. And then only later on are those revenues that are raised used for TV and mail. So let's back up a little bit. So you are involved in fundraising. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to a point where you're fundraising as a consultant. And also, why would people hire someone like you for a campaign? What's the benefit of that? So I was doing political fundraising for about 10 years. I spent a couple of years doing campaigns, and then I ended up just sort of falling into consulting. Multiple people asked me to raise money for them at the same time, so I started my firm. I did that for six years, working for a variety of candidates and causes. And then I um, joined Senator Casey's team as his national finance director for his 2017-2018 uh, election. And we just finished that up in uh, November of this past year. And we raised $18 million in two years. Uh, so to answer your question, why would someone hire someone like me? It's because, unfortunately, in this business, you know, you need money to get started. Money is the the thing that you need first and you need early. Um, And the finance director, if a campaign is smart, is the first person that they hire on the ground because you literally can't do anything without money. You can't uh, hire other staff. You can't have a place to work out of. You can't have materials, paper, all of the very basic things you need to run a campaign. So if someone who was new to the political scene was looking to get started, they would hire some of my skill set because I would be able to help them build a fundraising plan that would give them the infrastructure they need to get started and then hopefully raise the revenue they need to be successful later on in the campaign. Most people I know are pretty terrified of fundraising. What are some ways that you can kind of dispel that fear and what are some strategies that break down fundraising? How do you find your donors? Where do you start? Things like that. So fundraising isn't hard from a strategic standpoint. You you just have to do the work. Donors are not hiding, you know, who gives to political candidates is in plain sight. But even on a more basic level, people tend to give to political candidates because they primarily have a personal relationship with them. So if you're starting off trying to raise money for your candidacy, you would start with your personal network, people that like you, care about you, people that are in your orbit, whether that's friends and family, whether that's boards that you sit on, whether it's colleagues, people you went to college with, people you went to high school with, really looking at your entire network. People are likely to give to people because they ask and because they know them more than anything. And then you can build out sort of the larger traditional donors 
and information on those people are found on various state and local campaign websites. Uh, for any money that's given directly to a candidate, that money has to be reported either quarterly or annually. And so it's readily available to sort of see who gives to what sorts of candidates. But I would recommend if you're trying to raise money and start off your campaign, it's, it's going to your personal network first. And that's what I would help a candidate focus on. Are there any pieces of advice that you have for someone getting started? Um, obviously, as you just said, starting with your personal networks, getting started there. What kinds of tips do you have for folks who either are interested in running themselves or who are interested in supporting a candidate and having a fundraiser on their behalf? I see, you know, campaigns very much through a fundraising lens and, and truly believe that before you decide to run, you should really look at what sort of personal network you have. Because, again, unfortunately, in this day and age, pretty much any level of campaign, like city council and up, you, you need to actually be able to have a network to tap into. So I think really building out your network and seeing who exists within it is one of the first things I would do if I were a candidate. And then from someone who's looking to support other candidates, I, I think that, you know, everyone's values are different, but I, I tend to value viability. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into viability. It's the ability to raise money, it's platform, it's profile, it's the desire to work hard. So if you're a donor or someone who's looking to support a particular candidate, I, I would look at that person's viability. Do they have a path to victory? It strikes me that something interesting within the realm of fundraising is that it's seen as a larger success to have lots and lots of little donations like $25 donations as opposed to having two $10,000 donations, right? Because it kind of shows a breadth of support. Whereas mm -hmm. if you work at a nonprofit, you're like, oh, it would be less work to get $10,000 from two people. It's, it just is a, like a different, a different way of getting money. So would you say that most grassroots campaigns are better off asking for smaller amounts of money? Is there a point where you ask for more from someone? How does that work? The reason that there's been a focus on these sort of uh, large number of small dollar donations is because ever since the era of Citizens United, where organizations can sort of write blanket checks and, and run political ads and, you know, the political fundraising system is very much seen as sort of an elite uh, network and that, you know, candidates are supported by the super rich and that campaigns have really moved away more from grassroots activism. That's, that's definitely a complaint, especially in the Democratic Party. I think that you see less commentary on grassroots efforts in the Republican Party um, because there's just less value seen on that. But in terms of the Democratic Party, yes. So there's an argument to be made. You know, Democratic candidates want to be able to say that not only are they supported by special interests and large donors, but they also are supported by the people. And so Democratic campaigns have made it a priority to hire digital firms and digital directors to solely focus on low-dollar grassroots fundraising, not only for perception, but for true fundraising output. Like, there's just an incredible amount of money to be raised in that space, especially if you're a highly competitive race, uh, because you can easily target people outside of your state. And, and there's a whole national network of people that are very interested in giving $3 and $5 donations, because that's how they see themselves as being activists. And that, that's real in terms of dollars and so Bader O'Rourke, for example, in Texas, who raised like a record smashing $38 million, like in the third quarter of his campaign, which is just completely unheard of for a Senate candidate. 
a majority of that money was raised in those low-dollar donations because he had such an incredible national grassroots following. Not only was he able to make the case that he has this incredible grassroots network, which is why he's now, you know, people are talking about him for president, but it, it, it manifested itself in true dollars and cents that he was able to use for his campaign. Any parting words, any final bits of advice for someone who wants to run for office? It's just all about the personal network. If someone isn't willing to tap into their personal network to raise money, there's a very slim chance that they will have a successful fundraising operation. And you have to be willing to ask your friends and family for money. Well, Simone, thank you so much for your insight. We really appreciate it. So next up is Julie Hallinan, Finance Director for Friends of Rich Fitzgerald. I've gotten to know Julie over the past few years, and not only is she a finance genius, she is also one of the sweetest people I know and gives the best hugs. So here's Julie. So Julie, thank you so much for participating in this episode. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be part of the podcast and to talk about fundraising, which is something that I've loved so much doing over the last several years. Could you tell us more about the role or the roles that you have served on these campaigns, including your current one? For the governor's first election in 2014, I was his deputy finance director, so I oversaw his fundraising for the campaign for the entire western side of the state. And for Mayor Peduto's re-election, I was his finance director, so overseeing his fundraising across the city for his successful re-election. And now for the county executive's campaign, over the last four years, I've actually been, I've been his finance director and overseeing the fundraising for the last four years for his 2015 re-election and then in the off cycle. Um, but very excited for the 2019 election, which will be his last re-election since the county executive is term limited. Um, mm-hmm. I will actually be serving as his campaign manager and oversee the operation for his last re-election, which I'm very excited about. So how exactly did you get into the field of fundraising? Growing up, I was always kind of interested in politics. I took AP Gov and AP Economics in high school and then was always a little political in college. I ran for student government board in 2011 and was elected to serve on the University of Pittsburgh student government board in 2012 and had been volunteering on different political campaigns, typical college, trying to look for an internship, but had the opportunity to intern with Senator Casey's 2012 re-election campaign. And that was really my first time working on campaigns and seeing the very extensive network behind an elected official that helped get the candidate to where they need to be, um, that are responsible for raising their resources for lit pieces and everyone's favorite campaign commercials. So it was a really exciting opportunity to intern with Senator Casey's re-election campaign and taught me a lot. I ended up interning with the campaign for a year and a half. That got me kind of hooked on, like, the campaign bug. Um, And then after I graduated from college, started working on Allison Schwartz's gubernatorial election for the primary, had another amazing mentor. Then after that, 
got hired by Governor Wolf's campaign, started with the county executive after that, and it's really, really snowballed from there. And it's work because, you know, fundraising, there's always that thought that, um, especially with women, women candidates, we kind of have that old taboo of not asking for money. What's one of the hardest obstacles that you face in this work? Additionally, any experience that are specific to being a woman overseeing finance and campaigns? I've had a really positive experience working in campaigns. The people that I've worked with, as well as all the, the candidates and elected officials that I've worked for, have been incredibly welcoming. They have always made sure that there is a seat at the table for me, um, and if there wasn't a seat at the table, making a seat at the table so that I had the opportunity to be actively engaged with the process. Sometimes women have trouble asking for for money, but it's really, I like to frame it in a better way of, of not asking for money where, I mean, we are at the end of the day asking for a dollar amount, but you are asking for the resources that will help your candidate, your campaign, reach out to voters to connect um, with their potential constituents, to let them know uh, what type of leader they will be, what issues they want to focus on. It's a re- really empowering to think of it in that way and to think about asking for people to make an investment in you, in your campaign, in your mission, in your ideas, and to start with the people that are that are closest to you. I know people sometimes have trouble asking friends and family for donations, um, but those are the people who love you and want you to succeed and should be your first calls because you can kind of get warmed up with fundraising through that, and there are people who, who want to support you and, and will support you. So it's learning kind of different tricks throughout my experience so that fundraising, which is typically everyone's least favorite aspect of the campaign, is actually I think I'm biased, but the most fun and really helps drive the overall operation. Do you have any advice for anyone who's looking to get into the field of fundraising? One of the things in this Get Political is that not necessarily everyone needs to be the candidate, but there's many other fields, as you just mentioned, financing one of the most important, where talents are needed and people are needed to do this work. So do you have any advice or strategies on how to get started if someone is interested in being a fundraising consultant or director for a campaign? I would definitely recommend getting involved um, with a candidate that, that you are passionate about and supportive of and helping them either by volunteering or an internship or if you want to try hosting a, a fundraiser yourself, it's a really great way to jump right into it and see how the process is. Like I said, starting with your friends and family, reaching out to coworkers or other professional relationships to host a fundraiser for a candidate, elected official, or even just a nonprofit that, that you support. And it doesn't have to be a big gala or fancy event. We've done fundraisers of all types, and it can really be as simple as getting a group of friends to meet at a bar, everyone pitching in $25, and you'd be surprised how fast that adds up and how much support it really can be to the candidate 
But being organized is definitely key. Making a list of who you're reaching out to, following up with them, making that personal touch, making a phone call um, are all really great ways to start out. Thank you so much for taking the time to participate. Oh, thank you so much, Mary, for having me. I really appreciate it, and I think it's it's important. So many people have been helpful in mentoring me and helping me shatter ceilings and creating seats at the table for me that I think it's just so important to continue to do that for other people in the, the roles that I'm in, looking for opportunities and always thinking about ways that I can mentor, help, give seats to, at the table to other young women starting out that, that want to kind of follow and do a similar line of work. So very excited to be part of this. Thank you so much for having me. Now, everyone should be ready to get that money. But seriously, I would think that the biggest takeaway is to get comfortable with asking for money and hearing no. So keep pushing until your yeses outweigh your noes. Stay tuned for our next episode highlighting the importance of messaging and communication. Love to hear what you think about Shattered Glass, and we're always looking for suggestions for future guests. You can contact us via our website, shatteredglasspodcast.com, or on any social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is at shatteredglasspod. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you use. This episode was produced by Jessica Kaminsky with original music by Anthony LaMarca. Onward and upwards, ladies. Straight through the glass.